Hello and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert! It's all of it. Also, spoiler <laughs> alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual, so here is your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And we are, for once, getting hoogie. We're a little bit hoogie. <laughs> we're, we're trying, we're trying. It's, you know, it's a pretty nice spring day, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you can't get hoogie. Yeah, exactly. We have a candle. We have a nice springy candle. Mm -hmm. It's very fresh and green smelling, and it's nice. I've got a cold sugar-free tea. And I've got my, my Lady Grey Twinings, which is, you know, lemony sort of citrus black tea. So it's, you know, a little springy. And it's nice. And we're just chilled out. We were very calm today. Yeah, usually we no, got... No, we're like, oh, God, we got to record. We got this manic energy, but it's like... <laughs> You know, well, I didn't work today, so that helps. That does help that you didn't work. And I slept in, and it's been a fun weekend. So so, so let's talk about 5-Minute Masters. Sure. Let me pull mine up over here. So um, I was just looking up uh, Washington State cryptids. Oh, I love it. We don't have a lot. No. We have the big one. We have Mr. Foot. We have... <laughs> Mr. Hieronymus Foot. <laughs> With an E. <laughs> yes. Um, he's the main one, and there, I was even, while I was looking this up, finding um, bills that were attempted to be passed to make him our state cryptid. Oh, I want a state cryptid. I don't know. I could, I could not find the outcome of those bills. One was in 2019, one was in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, he's our state cryptid. I didn't find out. <laughs> I wasn't looking too hard. Oh, hey. I can hear clearly now the mic is on. <laughs> yeah, we were on the wrong mic. But we caught it after like two minutes, so we're good. It always it, happens. At least at least we caught it. Yeah. So anyway, please continue with your story. Uh, Yeah, Bat Squatch. <laughs> I'm so glad we got that recorded correctly with the right microphone. <laughs> That's him. That's, this is him. He looks more like a gargoyle werewolf? Um, yeah. So I think that's just one interpretation. I think main mainly he's like a bat. But also there's this toy version where he's like a gorilla bat with bat wings. What? Where does this concept come from? So it comes from a man who saw it. Well, that's how cryptids <laughs> work, I suppose. Uh, bat, bat Squatch is a flying cryptid, which was allegedly sighted near Mount St. Helens in the 1980s. It resembles a flying primate, similar to uh, the Ahul and the Orang Bati of South Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, and his name is a portmanteau derived from the words bat and Sasquatch. Cool. So I don't find a description of that original 1980s uh, sighting. Mm -hmm. um, but on April 1990, in April 1994, uh, Brian Canfield was driving uh, in Washington Pierce County when his truck suddenly died. Um, he said a large creature landed in front of him and it was like a nine foot tall uh, human-like creature with bat-like wings. Um, and it had a coat of blue fur. Blue fur. So they're just calling it Bat Squatch because they're like wanting it to liken it to Sasquatch, but it doesn't supposedly have any relation to Sasquatch. I mean, human like and hairy. Right, but it's just like a, a big hairy guy with wings. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. And then um, the other um, sightings I have here, I think they're just sort of um, simultaneous uh, uh, Mothman sightings um, Hmm. because, like, at a distance, you can't tell the difference. Sure. Of supposing one could see either. Uh, (laughs) But Mothman is really just a West Virginia thing, right? Yeah, but... You know, people, you know. Yeah. It, it's it's in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> um, but a second sighting was in 2009 near Mount Shasta, California. Several hikers witnessed a huge creature with leathery wings bending 50 feet fly out of a crevice in the mountain. Um, Man, I'd love to see that. At first, I, an eyewitness described the creature as having a similar head to a pterodactyl. However, upon reconsideration, <laughs> the witness claimed it was more akin to a bat or a fox. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Reconsideration. Like, oh, you talked to your friends. Is that what happened? And you thought that that sounded better than I, saying I, you saw a dinosaur? Right. Like, I work at a bank and they say, when we, when you, if you get robbed, like, don't talk to anybody else about what you saw because then it changes what you saw. Again, presupposing that they saw anything at all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in 2011, um, Phoenix Tiriaz, which is a pseudonym, was in his yard walking his dog uh, and went to pick up the dog and he saw something in the sky. He said the following, I saw something flying uh, the the sky. The the sky. Uh, this is a, a bad article, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it had bat wings, blue fur, and had a face... Uh, similar to eyes glowing red and it was about nine yeah it, it's just like they heard it about it and then they saw it you know mm-hmm. um, and then also in 19 or sorry 2014 uh, Archbishop Archbishop Hoban High School in Akron Ohio um, a second period Spanish class spotted a giant black mass zip by the window of the classroom at incredible speed the class claims it was about nine feet tall. But it zipped by at incredible speed. Yeah. So. Yeah. One of the other photos, it looks like a gargoyle. Oh, hey, yeah. But that, well, that's not a photo. That's a drawing. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have photos. Yeah. Unfortunately. I wish there was a photo. That would be fun. Yeah. Cryptid photos are great. Yeah, that's it. That's that guy. That guy. Um, second runner up for Washington State cryptid. Probably not even second runner up. Probably not. I think we got we got better options. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you about pink lemonade. Oh yes! Oh, I forgot. <laughs> we were some a couple weeks ago discussing whether or not there is a difference between pink lemonade and regular lemonade mm-hmm. what makes the difference and where it came from in the first place so i looked it up and i'm going to tell you about it i'm so excited okay so um let's go back first to the origins of lemonade itself mm-hmm, mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. we're talking about real lemonade folks in the United Kingdom and Australia. Real lemonade is a drink that is a mixture of water, lemon juice, and sugar. Sprite is not lemonade. (laughs) I don't know why you guys think that. It's like Kleenex being a pseudonym for tissues, maybe. No, it's not, because Sprite's not lemonade at all. (laughs) Guess what? Kleenex are a brand of tissue. Sprite is not a brand of lemonade! It's not lemonade! (laughs) 
feel very strongly about this. <laughs> Sprite's great. I love me a lemon lime soda. But it's not lemonade. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> With that preface. <laughs> uh, Thanks for alienating like three people of our audience. Yeah, well, they can learn. <laughs> they can get educated about lemonade and maybe try it and see that it's a very different drink and it's better. Although, lemonade with a little bit of carbonation. Sure, sure. You can make lemonade with like sparkling mineral water. Mm -hmm. That's great. But it is water, lemon juice, and sugar. <laughs> that is it. And you can add some mix-ins if you wanna, which is part of what we're gonna be talking about today. But those are the components of a... It's not a soda. It's not a soda. Okay. So. Uh, recipe is, uh, recipes for lemonade appeared in the United States as early as the 17th century. Which is interesting. But it does seem to be a very typically American drink. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, pink lemonade... Uh, dates to around around the 19th century. Um, around that time, uh, the ice trade made like cold drinks more of a thing. Hmm. Um, people could acquire ice and chill their drinks. And so lemonade became quite popular as a summertime drink because of that. Because like, can you imagine room temperature lemonade? Oh. No, sir. Yeah, it's just like. I just realized you're wearing your lemon shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very cute. Warm acidic water. Yeah, no. I don't want that. I don't want room. Like, I'll drink it. because. But I won't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it has sugar in it, so I will drink it. Um, but around that time, also, traveling circuses were very, growing in popularity. Okay. And so lemonade became a popular circus-associated drink mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm, it was you know a concession that was often associated and like even still you know even circuses aren't really a thing but like you think about like sitting down at the circus with your big cup of lemonade and your corn dog and your corn dog yeah. yes and they have that little like box down thing that's like cycling the liquid yeah yeah, yeah 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 and like it's still a thing at like state fairs and stuff yeah um but uh you know there there's a um there's this article um from 1879, West Virginia's Wheeling Register. Um, so uh, there's a great book I want to read called How the Hot Dog Got Its Bun, Accidental Discoveries and Unexpected Inspirations that Shaped the Way We Eat and Drink by Josh Chetwin. Um, he found this article uh, that is a claim for where um, lem like pink lemonade actually came from. So the first story... Uh, it comes from 1912, uh, in an, in an obituary for the man who supposedly invented pink lemonade. So. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so people only heard about it after the man who invented it died? Well, no, 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 no. So th these are, oh, these are written, wise. written records oh, okay. of lemonade gotcha, existing. Gotcha, so, gotcha. so, um, the first mention of pink lemonade is from the 1879 article. Okay. But the first written claim for who invented it is from this obituary in 1912. Um, Henry E. Allett, who um, ran away to join the circus in his early teens. <laughs> um, he is believed, and this is, this is um, Josh Chetwin's 
um, feeling as the, the the more probable yeah. origin, if if any of this can be taken as fact, this one is the more likely. Um, he, uh, Alet is believed to have invented pink lemonade after accidentally dropping red-colored cinnamon candies into the lemonade, and then was like, I gotta sell it. And it made, it turned the lemonade pink, and then it, like, actually took off, and people were like, this is so charming. This lemonade is pink. Yeah. Um, well, cotton candy's pink, so why can't your lemonade be pink? Yeah, it's it's fun, it's fresh, it's cool. Uh, so it, uh... <laughs> that's the nicer story. Oh, no. The more unpleasant story. Is it blood? No. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Maybe worse. <laughs> okay. What? Oh, no. <laughs> so, um... Uh, this one comes from a book called The Ways of the Circus, being the memories and adventures of George Conklin, Tamer of Lions, oh, by God. Harvey W. Root in 1921. Okay. So, you know, it's an old-timey book that is the accounts of a circus lion tamer. Maybe not the most credible yeah, source, yeah, yeah. but... The main subject, George, claims that his brother invented pink lemonade. Um, he ran out of water and grabbed a tub of uh, wash water that a performer had just finished wringing out her pink-colored tights in. So the water was stained pink from the dye from her tights, and he used it to make lemonade, and so the lemonade was pink. Gross. So dirty tight water, but it uh, he marketed it as strawberry lemonade. Okay, so this is where we get to the original impetus of our discussion about pink lemonade. Whether it is strawberry or not. Whether it is flavored or just colored. Yes, and this version, it was laundry flavored. Uh <laughs> And colored, but he called it strawberry, even though there was no strawberry yeah. in it at all. Mm -hmm. That's psychology, though. Uh huh. But apparently, according to um, George Conklin's story, sales doubled. People were charmed by this pink lemonade. Um, but of course, we just don't really know. Like, it just it could of, be both. It just sort of happened. It could have happened simultaneously. It could have. Um, but that it caught on, and E.E. Um, e. Kellogg. Oh, Mr. Kellogg himself um, had a pink lemonade recipe in his uh, 1892 cookbook, Science in the Kitchen. Cute, cute Which name. actually sounds lovely because it calls for half a cup of fresh or canned strawberry. Uh, sorry, my thing just blipped around. Goddamn mobile ads, they're the worst. Mm. Um, so it called for half a cup of fresh or canned strawberry, red raspberry, currant or cranberry juice... Uh, which sounds all very lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, these days, pink lemonades can be, you know, watermelon, strawberry, raspberry, um, sometimes grenadine. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But the bulk of uh, global brand pink lemonade is just pink in color alone. Which not only blows my mind, but also upsets me. Yeah, it's not flavored like anything I but know. lemonade. It's just pink. I know, and I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Why? Because I usually get pink lemonade. And you can enjoy it in your lovely pink color. I know. It's not like it's... But it, but but I feel like I'm being manipulated. <laughs> but if it's this... It, I mean, if you're paying extra, that's, that's, that's yeah. lame. But if it's the same price, it's just a pink version. 
Why the hell not? I buy pink versions of things all the time. I don't know. Just because it's the only thing different about it is dyes. It's true. But you know what? Regular lemonade is dyed yellow yeah, too. that's true. Because real lemonade is really mostly that's clear. That's why I buy Simply Lemonade. Simply Lemonade, but the Simply Pink. Is it strawberry though? They do have strawberry, but it won't say pink lemonade. It's still stra- oh, strawberry God, lemonade. That's upsetting to me. Because most of the time now when it is strawberry lemonade, they it's will call it marketed that. marketed that, yeah. Pink is just pink. Just pink. Fl- color flavored. Yep. But you know what? People just like it. They like things to be pink. It's nice. It's refreshing. It's fun. And that's fine. <laughs> just fine. <laughs> but Sprite isn't lemonade. <laughs> pink Sprite. Yeah, they have like cranberry Sprite and I stuff. I know. I don't know if it's pink though. I think it's still clear. No, it's pink. It is? It's like reddish. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> So we're talking about a show that is not quite new, but was recently introduced to, I think, an even wider audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Watchmen was free to watch on Hulu. Uh, I, you know, I, so I figured out what it was. It was just all last week. It wasn't just last weekend. Oh, it wasn't it just was the, weekend. the whole week. Okay, so that's why we were able to continue, continue watching. Watch yes, we had thought it was just for the weekend, but it was for the week. Watchmen, the TV series on HBO was available to watch for free. And we did. <laughs> and it's really good. I mean, everyone had already told me that it was very good. Yeah. And I just hadn't had the opportunity to watch it because we didn't have HBO. And as horrible as it is, I feel like it meant more now. Yeah, well, I want to talk about that because on one hand, absolutely. Um, and we were talking to Leonora about this yesterday, how it feels so prescient. But of course... The things that it was commenting on were absolutely the case for a long time. And it's not like this is just happening now. It's just that it's more of a countrywide conversation right now. And the reason they made it free for that week was in celebration of Juneteenth. Yes. Um, And one of the uh, occasions that Juneteenth... um, is commemorating. commemorating is the the Tulsa riots yeah, the Tulsa in massacre 21 1921 I believe yeah. yes mm-hmm. um in Tulsa Oklahoma and that is I don't know maybe the inciting incident of the Watchmen TV series it's the first thing that happens on screen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will say we always give a spoiler warning yes you need to see this it, mega mega yeah. super spoiler warning because we're gonna be mostly talking about the spoilers yeah and I uh, in the case of this, it's really great to go into it surprised. There are so many good surprises. And, like, the foreshadowing in the show is phenomenal. That said, if you're the kind of person who just really doesn't care, yeah. it's fine. You will enjoy it because it is good enough that it's, yeah, it's not... Yeah, I watched it a second time. Yeah, it's not leaning on the, on the surprises to entertain oh, you. Oh, not at all. But the surprises are really good. And also, if you like the graphic novel... Mm-hmm. You'll like it. Right. And that's the thing, because this isn't this has nothing to do with the film. This is a television series sequel to Alan Moore's Prequel and Sequel. Prequel and sequel, you're right. I mean it's a sequel. It redefines with it. It redefines it. It yeah. re um, it recontextualizes. Recontextualizes. Yes. That's but it is a sequel for. with flashbacks. Yes. Lots of flashbacks. And normally I'm not a huge fan of continual flashbacks. They are some of the best episodes of TV. Mm-hmm. There are two flashback-heavy episodes, possibly two and a half, mm-hmm. and they are so good. They were my favorite episodes. Well, and that's just 
correct for Watchmen because Watchmen is a series that really skips around in time and mm-hmm. you see you know it's about the um the contempt you know the the people who used to be the Minutemen who now you know aren't mm-hmm. fighting crime anymore and then cutting back to when they were fighting crime and then cutting back to the previous generation and when they were doing it so there's a lot of sort of time yeah. movement going on and of course time and the movement and passage of time is such an important symbol yeah. in Watchmen I mean yeah, clock, watch. watch minute men. Yeah, like. doomsday clock. Yeah, time. Yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so it's very appropriate. Yeah. but yes, we start in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, Mid riot. Yes, a little boy hiding out in a and I theater had, with his mother. I had only heard of this event happening. I had mm-hmm. n- didn't know any of the details. Mm-hmm. My sister mentioned it earlier that weekend on our Father's Day hike. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I had heard of that. But I don't really but know, I anything, don't know about anything about yeah, it. Yeah, it's one of those things that people just aren't really taught about. No, exactly. Because, of course... In the context of it, my sister was saying, that should be taught in schools. I'm like, yeah, it should be, even it, though I didn't know what it was. Right. Well, because it was just a case of, you know, white people just decimating, just massacring a black community just because they were black. And it's just one of the most horrendous hate crimes that's ever happened in America's history. And... People don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there, here's this hit show mm-hmm. on one of the most popular cable networks. Mm-hmm. That's just like, boom. Here it is. Here it is. Confront. Confront it. Yeah. And you're basically, the the, the protagonist mm-hmm. is a young boy. And At we're almost point. seeing it through his eyes. Right. Because we don't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on. Like, it's just sort of this thing that's happening and he's terrified yeah. and lost and yeah, he's just in hell. We also see the first bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's so much. Even It's just, constant. It's constant. I, and I bet, you know, if I went back and watched it a second time, you went back and watched it a third time, we'd find more. This, this one in particular, I really like. And it's very brief. Later in the series, in the flashback, the... Mm-hmm. Um, where she's taking the nostalgia pills, mm-hmm. and she sees the newspaper man reading Action Comics, mm-hmm. and she's talking about how he got sent away in a pod. Mm-hmm. He is being sent away in a crate, from away from Tulsa. Will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. becomes a superhero. He becomes the first superhero. <laughs> yeah, as Superman was the first sort of proper american superhero comic mm-hmm. uh he becomes the, he becomes the very first masked vigilante hero yeah. Eh. yeah i know yeah all kinds of stuff and he finds a baby wrapped up in a flag yes. and rescues her mm-hmm. and it's like she's also <laughs> superman yeah. yeah she's the reporter uh-huh you know Ugh. there's it's just yeah it's uh, so much and that's what i what I'm really pleased about with Watchmen is how it is so meticulously crafted and it feels, so, it's so smart and so thoughtful and, it, and that's why it feels like such a correct sequel to the comic mm-hmm. Watchmen. But it never feels like it's um, going over the same ground as every other comic thing. It no. never feels well, like and that. And the thing is, if it did, it wouldn't be an appropriate sequel to Watchmen. Yeah. Because Watchmen was one of the first really significant works of superhero deconstruction. Yeah. Um, and if it was just retreading old ground, then it, it would be failing. Yeah. So one thing that I do want to consider, and it's going to be hard to sort of 
break down, but it does hit a little different, I think, now than it did when it first came out because a lot of the main characters are cops. Yes. And it's not really bad. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not, it's definitely not criticizing, you know, it, it's, it's laying bare the idea that corruption can exist anywhere, mm-hmm. but it's not in any way criticizing the institution of policing. It, it brief, in, in brief moments, it sort of links, um, police to white supremacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does, but specifically to the policing of recently freed slaves, Yes. Um, very briefly uh-huh. ties that. Um, and there are many, there is a very prominent member of this police force that is the head, so, uh, you know. A member of the KKK. Slash or, yeah. Cyclops, which is this other thing in the in the show. Um, yeah. So it's there. It's there. But again, it, it feels more like the sort of common um especially previous to now idea of like oh yeah there's corruption in there and there's there's the good cops and the bad cops Mm -hmm. and you know unfortunately you just don't know who the bad cops are all the time yeah whereas now we are reaching a point where we are beginning to criticize the entire institution itself and the way that it works and it's not about like well the police would be fine if only we didn't have the bad ones it's like no the whole thing is bad so it feels a little i mean and of course it was written before these conversations were happening in a big way it came out before these conversations were having in a big way so it but it feels a little odd now it feels a little odd but it almost feels again more pertinent because the cops are also all wearing masks. Mm-hmm. So, and it's for a completely different reason. Mm-hmm. But it's still like, I mean, so... Yeah, well, I mean, we just have a little light bulb in our yeah, brain that goes yeah. off when they say yeah. mask. Yeah. When it's like, they're, it's not really the same topic. You yeah. know, they're wearing masks for identity reasons, mm-hmm. not for plague reasons. So it's not really related. Yeah, but it does seem, it feels important still. Yeah, to, I to guess so. Time. Um, but, but yeah, I do, I, I have been sort of kicking around this idea in my head of like, that it it doesn't, it definitely doesn't criticize the police. Like, the two of the biggest heroes in the show are cops, and it is just sort of an unequivocal good that they are. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a problem that they're cops and they only do good things as cops. Yeah, and it only very like minimally criticizes them for being vigilantes as well because they're both vigilantes as well yes i I would say they they engage in vigilantism (laughs) they do they do um you know wade less so less so but he and his, his reason for the mask is more of convenience well, they and, all... And almost his reason for being a police officer is yeah. almost convenience. And they, they all wear masks. I mean, it's like a thing now that in certain places in the United States... Specifically within Watchmen, in Tulsa. Yeah, specifically in Tulsa and other places, um, because of uh, certain terrorist attacks, police all wear masks to protect their identities. Mm-hmm. Which, like, feels like it could be more of a conversation than it ends up being. Yeah. For sure. Like, you know, they're tying them to the idea of masked vigilantes. And it's like, what's the real difference between the cops and the old masked vigilantes? Especially when 
a, a good number of these police officers are taking the masks a step further. Mm-hmm. Because and the, the dressing sort of, up like masks. The, the general's mask is just like a, a, a yellow, yellow mask face that mask. most of the people wear with their with uniform. their cop uniform. But then the like high level detectives and things who get to be plain clothes. They get fun names. They get fun costumes. They just look like superheroes. Yeah. Um. And so it's like okay, that's very much a thing. But like it definitely doesn't get into the idea of why it would be maybe terrifying to have a police force that is not necessarily accountable yeah that you don't know who the cop you're talking to is yeah that they are they are protected it doesn't come up no i feel like if they do a second season it probably will yeah unfortunately yeah unfortunately it doesn't sound like they are gonna get another season which sucks because i think it left off in a really interesting place i would love for them to dig into that because they just kind of didn't yeah and it felt like the first place I would go with it. Mm-hmm. It's like, but then who, how are you accountable? Like, and that, that is kind of the interesting thing because the whole idea in Watchmen, the reason it's called Watchmen and not Minutemen, because the superhero team is not called Watchmen. It's called the Minutemen. The, the phrase who watches the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there's these people without accountability running around making these choices, you know, they, they're, it, it doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, who's going to keep the people in charge accountable? And unfortunately, in the case of this storyline, followers of Rorschach <laughs> decide to... Well, I wouldn't even call them followers of Rorschach because Rorschach is long dead. Right, point, but like but, of his ideologies. Yes. A, a, a terrorist group. A terrorist group dis- called, well... The they 7th might, Cavalry. The 7th Cavalry, thank you. Um decide to attack police officers in their homes simultaneously on a night yeah, called the White Knight. Yeah, murdering them. The White Knight? Is that what they called it? The White Knight. White Knight. Um, murdering them very, I think only like two of them survived. Yeah, like basically all of the cops in Tulsa were murdered on one night. Um, So the police have to protect themselves yeah. and it's like right now that feels like a really yeah. weird thing like that's an uncomfortable yeah. thought and like i i think one of the reasons that they don't delve into that sort of part of it um is because in the storyline the seventh cavalry gets co-opted by cyclops right and then Cyclops ends up being sort of part in with infiltrating the United States government as yeah. well, and so it's like, oh, they're all working yeah. for the same people ultimately. Yeah. yeah, and so they're not necessarily anti-cop anymore; they're more, more just general racist and fascist. Yeah, they're just white supremacists. Yeah, <laughs> they're just white nationalists. Uh, there were moments where it almost felt like two on the nose yeah. like towards the end with the with the with, senator guy or whatever right being and they're like, all like in their little chairs and he's just like it's not safe in america to, to be, be a, a white, white man, man anymore and it's just like wow we're just saying it like we're just saying yeah. that's who this guy is yep <laughs> <laughs> no subtlety here yep N- no need uh, but then, of course, it does get into some really great and interesting stuff, too, like particularly racial politics. That's really mm-hmm. what it's interested in. And unfortunately, it, it doesn't seem to be interested in 
the systemic problems within the police force um, when it comes to racial politics. Um, It was more just, oh, everyone is racist. You know, like when we see Will's life, we, it's not just like, oh, the police force is racist. It's like some people are racist and some people are looking out for him, but they're like, listen, it's just a racist world. Uh, or even his lover uh-huh. is just like microaggressing out the wazoo. Oh. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's the fucking Nazi guy who ends up being the like one of the the Cyclops people mm-hmm. who owns the warehouse they're mm-hmm. working in and stuff. And so it's not really like, oh, the police is racist, particularly. It's just like, well, everyone's racist. Yeah. And it's just hard. And of course, yes. Of course, yes. But, you know, when you have a character who, two characters who are black police officers. Yeah. And not get into that. It's like, it feels, I don't know, like an oversight at best. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And they had a lot of story to tell. So, you know, I'm I'm going to, I'm, I, you know. But they, they picked what story have, to tell. They, they did pick what story to tell, yes. They picked what story to tell. I mean, but that said, like, there is still a lot of great stuff mm-hmm. in there. Um, the story is also a good amount anti-capitalist. Sure, absolutely. It's Anti-Tesla. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's so funny that Lady True's company just looks like Tesla. Uh, um, And I think they did a lot of really interesting stuff with just the alternate history. um, Because, you know, of course, the original comic takes place in an alternate history where in the 1960s, Dr. Manhattan was created. And that sort of set off a chain of events, which significantly impacted world history. Mm -hmm. And so in this world... Uh, the United States actually won the Vietnam War. Dr. Manhattan won the Vietnam War. So Vietnam is a state in the United States. It is. Thus, the American flag changes because there are more stars. Right. Minor detail. Yeah. But just thinking about, like, what is the world like if Vietnam is a part of the United States? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Very interesting thought. And we we get a flashback of what what Vietnam looks like in the 80s. Uh Uh-huh. After... Becoming a part of the United States. Uh, very interesting ideas there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very interesting ideas. Um, and the way that, like, you know, Vietnamese culture is just maybe more of a part of American culture. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there's more of a cultural interchange there. Uh, I loved Jeremy Irons as Adrian Veidt. Yes. <laughs> um, so that is probably the first spoiler of the show. Um, yeah. Because you're not really sure who or what he's up to. He's just some weird old guy in a manor, in a manor house. house with these two servants that he keeps killing. Yeah, he's just cloning <laughs> and killing these. Ser- and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? And then there's like some little hints that you're like, ooh, ooh. ooh, ooh, ooh. And then like 30 seconds before it was revealed, I was like, he's Adrian Vite. <laughs> uh,. You know, I'm so bummed. Uh, I realized, so I wanted to, like, go back and sort of look over the comic again to prepare for this episode. My brother is borrowing it. I knew it. He's had it for, like, a year and a half. And for I texted him, like, hey, dude, do you have my copy of Watchmen? Uh, and he was like, I don't think so. And I was like, I can't find it anywhere. And he's like, oh, well, I guess I'll check. And then he got home and texted me a picture. Oops. <laughs> I have it. You son of a bitch. He's like, I read it a long time ago. I just thought I gave it back. <laughs> You bastard! Uh, so unfortunately, I was not able to go back and 
reread any of it, but I um, actually <laughs> studied it in college uh, in a class. So that helped me to be very familiar mm-hmm. um, with it. But I like the way that they um, sort of continued all of the yeah. characters mm-hmm. from the comic because Adrian shows up, Lori shows up um, in the way that he does, um, Hooded Justice shows mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and that's that really that really blew my mind yeah that was so satisfying because um, it makes just so much sense for the character design yeah it really does like they took a design of a character that just kind of looks like oh yeah that looks like a kind of a wacky old golden age superhero type mm-hmm. costume and, and like, like oh we made it make sense they imbued it with meaning that it didn't have before like he mm-hmm. just looks like an executioner with a noose but it's like no he's not no He's the executed. He's hooded justice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, really smart way of turning that idea on its head. Because, um, of course, in the comic, we never learn for sure who hooded justice was. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollis, the original Night Owl, believed it to be this circus performer guy. Um, and there was sort of circumstantial evidence connecting them. Um, but... It was not proven, and so, you know... They had room to They play. had room to play with it. And you read the comic, and you're like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. He probably was him, but it's not, like, concretely yeah. proven. Um, and so it was absolutely... And even the show, while you're watching it, does a really good job of, like... You have no idea it's coming, because we're watching this Ryan Murphy-esque american, american hero, hero story that is coming out on television uh-huh. for the characters and we see hooded justice unmasked and he's in the show handsome brunette fellow yep uh, who has been in many a ryan murphy show uh-huh uh, and of course for me i'm like haha but that's not what that guy looked like he's like a big you know in the in the comic it's like oh yeah no he was like a big bear type guy and the show's like you're so wrong you're so wrong <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, that was great because it was sort of like a double surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, that was just so funny to have that just in the background of everything. Like when um, Wade is just like in his mask sitting down for some beans, beans! at home. And he's just watching American Hero, American Hero Story. And <laughs> like I said, very Ryan Murphy. It's um, Hooded Justice fucking... Um, What's the... Captain Metropolis yeah, or something. Yeah. And and yeah, there's like a gay sex scene just happening. Uh, it's great. Uh, but yeah, I you know, I'm really fascinated by the ways that they parallel Looking Glass, Wade, and Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Because they are definitely sort of foiled. Uh, you've got... A very similar mask happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just wear like somewhat normal clothes. You know, Rorschach just wore like a trench coat. Yeah. Um, he looked a little bit detective-y, but he was really just a shabby hobo. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and he had his crazy changing Rorschach mask um, that's just like a hood. And then Wade has, he just wears like a normal, like regular man clothes and wears this What's what's the material they call it? Reflectatine. Reflectatine does not have a great ring to it, but um, he just so his whole it's like a chrome cloth. Yeah, it's really cool looking, 
Um, and of course, we learn that he wears it because he it is protects. susceptible to psychic blasts. Yes. Um, from when he was a victim of the big eleven two. And how great to delve into the ramifications of that event. Of course, I mean, if you're gonna make a sequel to Watchmen, that's 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 the first place you start. Yeah. Is like, and then what though? Like, yes, okay, Adrian's plan happened, and then what? Though? I know you mentioned something, but how did you feel when the first Squidfall happened in this show? I mean, I was very intrigued. Yeah. Because it was just like lots of little, 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 itty, bitty little skids. Bitty squiddies. It was just a squid storm. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right. So what are you doing, Adrian? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but yeah, I think that Wade is um, in a lot of ways sort of compared and contrasted to Rorschach because mm-hmm. he is like this really sad, lonely, paranoid man mm-hmm. in the way that Rorschach was. Um definitely not as psychologically broken as Rorschach. Same um, intellect, though, I would say. Better. Better, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know much about Rorschach. Rorschach so. is, I mean, Rorschach was a great detective, but mostly because he was so obsessed. Okay. Whereas, I would say Wade even has, some, like, he was almost imbued with a slight amount of psychic ability Right, yeah, no, he, he was. He can yeah. tell when people are lying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he has the innate ability to sense lying. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, probably is... It's not definitively said to yeah, be... Yeah, they don't um, say, oh, it's psychic. Like, but it, it's either I mean, that's, because he figured it out because he's a good detective, or it's both. Yeah, or, you know. yeah. And, since you know, since he did... Survive. Have, yeah, but suffering the effects of that psychic blast from the squid event uh he yeah it probably did sort of change his psychic capabilities mm-hmm. at least subtly um but yeah just comparing those two with you know when he just like sits down and is eating beans out of a can and it's like rorschach and, and he's so like endearing oh yeah well because that's the thing it's like he's like he's like good rorschach yeah because he fucking hates white supremacists mm-hmm. he fights the fucking rorschach but he's dudes. also a realist mm-hmm. like when angela's coming down and talking with him and she's like they're talking about the the clan robe mm-hmm. that the police chief uh had, had in his yeah. closet um and he makes a comment about or she says something about he was a racist and he's like, yeah you did you know he that Judd was a racist and he says he's he a, a white, white man, man in, in Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> which he is also a white man in Oklahoma uh-huh. so he is a he's basically admitting he's a racist as well but you know the good kind that's like I'm trying not to be racist yeah. and I understand that I need to not be racist yeah. but I acknowledge that I'm from a time and a place yeah. and I'm probably racist yeah and I have privilege that perpetuates white supremacy even if i'm not necessarily trying to good for you wade um woke wade (laughs) super woke uh he's great he's great he's adorable and he's played by i don't know why i can never because it's a three-namer he's a three-name man he's a a three-name um character actor and he's excellent in this yeah it's fucking he's in the coen brothers movies it's uh 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 uh, tim blake nelson tim Tim blake Blake Nelson. nelson Love him to death. He's such a good dramatic actor, and he needs to be in more things like that. Uh, but yeah, he's like a he's like a real sad divorcee, and <laughs> but he's like he's like sad, but he's not like he's not bitter. Bitter, yeah. He's and he's, he's got a good relationship with his ex. Clearly, like yeah, it's awkward enough. and uncomfortable, <laughs> but like 
they don't they don't seem to bear each other ill will. Yeah. It's just like no, we can't be together because you 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 refuse to work on your personal issues, and I can't be in that mm-hmm. toxic life. But she doesn't like. But she's hold also it burning again. puppies, so right. She does clone and burn puppies. Uh, <laughs> but she seems like a pretty together person. Uh, Maybe he couldn't deal with that part of her lifestyle, though. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, but he, she does it right in front of him. But so. like I can, you can see, like yeah, he really is a very troubled man, and he's mm-hmm. he's sort of in superficial ways trying to recover from his trauma, but he's not really doing the well, work. Even when he finds out it was a hoax, he still he still keeps the alarm system. Uh huh. Because it's he can't give it up. It's he's addicted. It's a security blanket. Yeah. Yeah, he's like addicted to that trauma, and oh, he yeah. can't. Let himself get well, even over though it. it was a hoax, it's still fucking. It was a, it was a traumatic event and, and traumatized him and yeah, yeah. So that's why I didn't like. I did. I actually didn't like that they used the word hoax. Right. I, I mean, know why they did. Yeah, because it's like yeah, it's not. They're not aliens from another dimension. Yeah, I would say it's more of a conspiracy, but like. Uh huh. Like three million people were killed by that. It wasn't just it some wasn't false flag. Thing. Like yeah. it was real. Yeah, it really happened. It's just not. But that's Adrian Wright for you. Yes, to call it a hoax. <laughs> Fucker. Yep. Yeah, he's and a they psycho. really do a good job of endearing him, you to him in this show too. Honestly, so good. And it's like he does feel like he's really you know elderly Adrian Wright, but like he's he is likable still... in a way that like original Adrian wasn't. Which is funny because he's the whole time murdering hundreds of people. <laughs> He kills so many people with his bare hands. Like, they're clones, but they're still people. They're still people. They're, in fact, better. They're better people. Better than real people. (laughs) They're perfect people. They're perfect, nice people. They're ideal people. Yes. And he just kills them without conscience. (laughs) I fucking love that trial. Yeah, that's where they bring the pigs in. 365 day long trial where he doesn't do anything to defend himself. Yep. <laughs> and the only people in the whole room are the clones. So many clones. I know. Yeah, it's really um, very amusing and very dark. And it just takes so long for you to piece what the fuck is happening there together. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. But yeah, where it's, yeah, we just You're like, keep- Babies out of a lake? <laughs> Why is he grabbing for babies? What's going on? Yeah, that whole thing with Adrian, it's like, you don't really, it's just like, what's going on? What's going on? And you're just like slowly piecing it together as it just keeps cutting back yeah, to you're Adrian. Like, where is he? Why is he here? When is this happening? Yeah. Like, is this simultaneous? No, it's not simultaneous. It happened long before mm-hmm. the main events of the show. <laughs> and there's even the foreshadowing. They tell us in like the second episode. When Lori is on the plane with Pete and he says that there's a rumor that Adrian Veidt is secretly still alive and living at the Millennium Clock. He is! (laughs) He is! Incredible stuff, man. Mm -hmm, Incredible mm -hmm, stuff. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love it. Loved Pete. He was great. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, fave of the podcast. Fave We've of the got, podcast. Uh, yeah. Hyman from Magicians. Mm-hmm. Very good stuff. Um, yeah, he's great. He he worked really well as an exposition character. You know, yeah. he's the one who's like, I know everything that happened in the Watchmen comic book because I'm a historian. I love that moment in the car where mm-hmm, where um, she calls him a fanboy. Or no, where oh. she she's like. T- oh, tell him. Tell him about my trauma. <laughs> tell him tell, about, tell, her, tell her about my trauma. Tell her about my trauma. And he's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. Tell, you know the story. Tell her. 
Yeah, and of course, that's not even, like, all of her trauma, because right. not only was, you know, does she sort of have the knowledge of, you know, her father's attempted rape of her mother, but also that she was just abused by her mother for her whole life. And her boyfriend, you know, left to go to Mars. Became God, yeah, was God, became more God, went to Mars. <laughs> but didn't actually go to Mars. <laughs> he went to Mars, briefly. She went to Mars. Oh, that's true, that's true. <laughs> But then, uh, you know, was complicit in the massacre that killed fucking everyone in New York. So that's great. No wonder she's disillusioned with masked heroes mm-hmm. and why she is so suspicious of the police. And her job is hunting. Oh, that introduction scene to her where we're watching this bank robbery. Ah, she's robbing. And then a fucking masked vigilante, vigilante shows, shows up. up and she's like, you're under arrest. <laughs> fantastic Uh, i love how they really do a great job of obfuscating who she is until just the right moment Mm -hmm. um but like i realized like partway through the scene in the they're like Lori, and you're like Lori. well yeah well (laughs) and like with her uh yeah with her talking to dr manhattan in the phone booth like through the whole episode she's like in the phone booth telling jokes telling jokes and like i was like wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they do a really good job of just like setting up these things where it's like the pieces are there. Just pick up on them. It's subtle, but it's there. I'm realizing we haven't talked about the main character yet. Let's talk about the main character. Let's talk about Angela. Angela Abar. So good. AKA Night Sister. Night Sister, named after a very cool fictional black exploitation movie. Mm-hmm, love mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. I love that she is reclaiming the black exploitation. And idea. she's so fucking kick ass. She's very, very cool. And like the best mom. Best mom. Uh, awesome husband, who of course turns out to be God. <laughs> <laughs> uh,. Yeah, so she, uh, yeah, she, and the great thing about her is that, you know, as as a character, what she's working out is her generational trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's relived the life of her grandfather, who bore the brunt of so much racial discrimination and hatred in his life, um, and was the first masked hero in America, and, like, just... As, as two white people, like, we cannot really yeah. know what that is like, but that that is such a thing of, like, even though it wasn't your life, you still carry the trauma of it. Not only does she relive it actually in the plot, but, like, even just knowing you're from Tulsa and knowing the history of Tol- Tulsa, that's... That's generational trauma. trauma. Yeah. Like, that's... A, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so, and I think that it's, it, from, at least from my perspective, it seemed to be handled very thoughtfully and respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and just using this fun science fiction concept of, like, taking a pill that allows you to literally experience the memories of your ancestor. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, whomever, but in this case, your ancestor. Um, and sort of the way that these traumas can cause rifts in families oh yeah like his will her grandfather his family was broken apart because of because of racial trauma and then you know and then his son her father 
carried that and dealt with it his own way and and it got passed on to her in that way. And, you know, of course, it's all tied in with the, you know, the American government and their, and colonialism Mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm. you know, colonizing Vietnam as a state leading to a terrorist attack that killed her parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she's, you know, she goes back to Tulsa because she's drawn back to this place. She's drawn back to her roots, even though it is traumatic. Also... She falls in love with the ultimate colonizer, <laughs> Dr. Manhattan. Well, what, you, what makes you call him the ultimate colonizer? I don't know. I'm just, just because he helped the United States right. he, win the Vietnam he War. He did, yes. He was the force that made that possible. He was the weapon that allowed that to occur. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, he is sort of an interesting character. Ultimately, in the end, he is humanized in yeah. a way that... But it also kind of just depends on how you look at it because he's also manipulating her their entire or before and after yeah. 10 years uh-huh. of him. The 10 year window. The 10 year window because he's manipulating her, manipulating her by telling her her future. Mm-hmm. And that is just the classic Dr. Manhattan move. He just yeah. does that to everyone all the time. He's like, well, you see the way I experience time. And everyone's like, we know how you experience <laughs> time, John. But he also sort of like, I didn't feel like he was shoving it in her face, but he's like, you seemed like you needed reassurance mm-hmm. by knowing the future. Mm-hmm. You needed to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Well, you could he's also almost, see that as him manipulating her. Yeah. Well, he's almost saying like, well, you, this is why you like me. This yeah. is what, what, what you are in this relationship for. Yeah. We both know this. But also, he hot <laughs> as fuck. Well, sure. He's God. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm more speaking about his end his death and being like i want you here when i die you know that whole thing whereas like oh in in that moment i get so teary-eyed both times i watched it where he's like she's like where are you Mm -hmm. and he's like i'm in every moment with you Mm -hmm. but um his sort of arc in the comic is of course becoming less and less human over time so i did kind of an interesting choice that he then in the end became more human because the whole story of his relationship with Lori was him losing his humanity and just losing touch with what it is to be human and she's like I can't be with you Mm -hmm. because you're not a person anymore yeah uh and so I do I mean I the story of John and Angela is so interesting and lovely but I do kind of wonder, you know, as him, as a character, what that is. Because, you know, John is certainly defined by his relationships with these women. And so for him to have a third relationship, it's like, that makes sense. Because that's what, that's how we tell the story of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. But like... I feel like they also did a good job of taking it from him being a god mm-hmm. to figuring out, oh, the only way to experience life is to be a person. Is to be a person. Because he goes to create life. Uh-huh. And it didn't And work. it's not satisfying. He's yeah. like, I made it. It was perfect. But I I'm was, still just God. I'm still just God. And their love for me, I can't return to them. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I so guess... So he pieces out. Yeah, yeah. He pieces out and he's like, I, I know. I'll live a life with... I'll live a human life. With- he finds a way. He sees a future, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. He sees a future where... He doesn't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's probably really exciting to him. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Very refreshing. Uh, but it 
at times, you know, it, it struck me as just a little disingenuous because it felt like that was not... I wasn't sure why John, at least, you know, my understanding and interpretation of the character in the first place was that he was beyond being a human anymore. Yeah. And, of course, if you want to tell a story with him, you have to make him a person again. Yeah. And if you're telling Watchmen, you have to have him. And so I understood the sort of narrative decision, but it did feel a little false to me. Yeah, a little backtracking. And... Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, I'm, you know, I mean, she's cool, but, like, he just shows up and is like, all right, we're going to be married well, for 10 years. Well, and that's also, I think, why they critique him as well in the show. Yeah. They're like, you had all this power and what it, were you doing? Right. Now, that is a very interesting thing. And it really, you know, doesn't come up until a little later in the game. But the idea of, like, you could do anything and you didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, you didn't do anything. Yeah. You could fix everything and multiple characters uh, resent him for this choice. Um, both Lady True and Will critique him and I think say... Vite does too. Does Vite, when does Vite say that? Maybe not specifically, but like, it, it, maybe that's just been his whole thing is like, you well, shouldn't exist because you're not helpful. Well, no. yeah, I mean, Vite, yeah, I don't know about you shouldn't exist, but Vite, yes, as a character is sort of the, um, the man who strove to be a god mm -hmm. and couldn't attain it. Um, and John is the man who accidentally <laughs> became a yeah. god. And I and I, I think Vite, when he's explaining why True shouldn't become mm -hmm. god, sort of retroactively critiques John well, in that, like, she's a megalomaniac. Mm -hmm. If you give she her, she can't be the, trusted as a god. She says she's going to fix everything. She's not going to fix anything. No, she just wants to be adored. And he didn't want anything, any of that. So he doesn't necessarily know how, you know, he's just yeah. a man. Right. Well, and that's the interesting thing, again, about John is that, you know, becoming this thing has, has taken away from him the things that make us human. Yeah. You know, the fear of death, the, the needing to, you know, the way that, like, Vite has to has to build his creation, has to have his legacy, and he's so frustrated that the greatest achievement of his life is not attributed to him. There is no monument to his great, you know, accomplishment of of saving the world. Yeah. Um. And John doesn't care about that because he's eternal. Mm -hmm. You know, he almost can't. He can't relate to humans anymore. Yeah. He's and like, so why would I save you? I don't I understand don't, you. I don't. I don't. This is just it how. This is yeah. Uh, the the idea of you know a, a a living body and a dead body have the same number of atoms. Yeah. It's it's like from his perspective, it doesn't mean anything. Nothing means anything. The universe is eternal, and he is eternal, and and humans are just a little occurrence that are happening, and it it, it doesn't it. So, I mean, and so that's Watchmen. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's Watchmen. That's, uh, that's Dr. Manhattan. But then, of course, we are concerned with the, with the small human matters, with, with the lives that were lost on 11-2, and with the systemic racism in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this shows at its best when it's the small dramas. Well, those yeah. are not necessarily small dramas. <laughs> but but, but the about human the human drama, experience. The human experience. Because only does this show start to lose its way a little tiny bit 
in the last two episodes when it's all superheroes. Right. It's all, you know, oh, we're going to destroy and become oh, Dr. Here, Manhattan. Here's a rocket ship. Here's a man frozen in liquid gold. Here, <laughs> here's, a, uh, here's a woman becoming God. Here's and a woman it, becoming God. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, we've gone there. But they, they, they earn those moments. Definitely. But that is when the show, you start to sort of see, you know. The, the, the plot. The, 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 the plot and also like the sort of, um, the surreal stuff that was sort of really well hidden before. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, and of course, like, it makes sense that that's how, where it's all going. That right, because People are trying Watchmen. to become Dr. Manhattan. You know, it's got to have a big, crazy ending mm-hmm. the way that, I mean, certainly dropping a giant, like, genetically engineered squid on Manhattan is a big crazy ending (laughs) for sure Mm -hmm. um but I think where it is where the show in the in its ending is inferior to the comics ending is because ultimately the ending of Watchmen wasn't about and then a giant squid dropped on Manhattan it was here we are Dealing with whether or not this is moral. To say, you know, for for Vite to say, this is the choice I have made. I believe that I'm doing the right thing for mankind. The earth is on the brink of annihilation. And this is the lesser of two evils. I can bring humanity together and save everyone if we sacrifice this small percentage of people. And ostensibly, you know, for better or worse, that did work. It, mm-hmm. it his plan At was least a success temporarily yes and for for decades yeah um you know there's the world is still in a in a state of relative peace compared to before that event yeah and so he accomplished that now whether or not that was the correct choice is the question john says yes um you know rorschach said no and he died for it mm-hmm. uh <laughs> because he's like i will not you know, I I can't abide this. I have to tell everyone you can't lie to people this way. And that's really what the ending of Watchmen is. It's not, and then a giant squid dropped. It's, and how do we feel about that? Yeah. Whereas the ending of the show, it's just like, she can't be allowed to become God. But this lady can. But this lady can. Yes. So, you know, it, it's not, there. the conversation is not had. It is a given that Lady True cannot be allowed to do this. Everyone agrees that Lady True cannot be allowed to do this. It's not a question of permitting her or not permitting her. Yeah. Um, So it does feel a little shallow in that. And then then there's no discussion of whether or not Angela should be trusted with this power. John just decided that she could be. I hope that if they did continue on, it wouldn't necessarily be his full power. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's too much power. That's too, but yeah. It did. He didn't. He became something else. Yes. He couldn't help people. Yeah. Um, and also, just her experience with her own life and her grandfather's memories mm-hmm. would shape that power right. into something good. And uh, you know, of course, he did also come from a place of um, discrimination and trauma. You know, his his family was fleeing. Yeah. Uh, fascist 
regime in Europe and, you know, he was an immigrant who grew up without privilege. And then, of course, he was still a white man in America who became mm-hmm. a scientist, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. But, you know, she be- she became a cop. Mm-hmm. So um, they definitely come from, you know, you can see the sort of... Um, the they're in their own ways they are they are suffering from a lack of privilege you know in but but hers is very particular to america mm-hmm. uh so that would be interesting i hope there's another season i don't know that it looks likely but it, we have to happen we have to know what happens with the lube man with lube man who the fuck was lube man <laughs> that was a weird Little fucking breadcrumb. I know. <laughs> no idea what that was. I know. Right. Lori has to go hunt Loop Man. Yes. She's a he's vigilante a, hunter. She's a vigilante hunter and he's a mass vigilante. What he was doing, not clear. He was loitering. <laughs> you cannot loiter in spandex in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> what are you doing? All right. Uh, any final thoughts? I feel like we could keep going around and around. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's a phenomenal series. Phenomenal. Yeah. Highly recommend. Highly recommend it. Um, and just, we haven't even talked about the visuals too. Just, well, and it, Te- and the, it's, it's a technical marvel. It is. It's, it's because it's an amazing representation of the comic. Like yeah. it's really crazy good at, at really doing the very, very cool stuff that the comic book did uh it feels just pulled off of the pages but like and it just works yeah we've got the title cards love the title cards we've got the transitions are just like orgasmic they're <laughs> really really remarkable they're stuff. so good really remarkable stuff and the music trent reznor my boy you've outdone yourself yes immediately you will feel like you're in an 80s comic it's phenomenal the the music is phenomenal i would just i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to that on spotify like now (laughs) the only thing about the music i didn't particularly love is that some characters in flashbacks or um vite had like the one classical song that was right they just i mean now it was kind of fun the way that they kept playing claire de lune Mm -hmm. because of course vite was imprisoned on europa yeah (laughs) so he was on the moon (laughs) i will say on my second watch through it got a little annoying. Lacrimosa came up a few too many yeah, times. Yeah. Like Claire de Lune was like a little I like, did love the boop. blues in, in the grandpa flashbacks though. There was yes. a lot of good blues. Yes, yes, yes. But but Lacrimosa definitely was overused. Yeah. But that's also an overused song. Mm-hmm. So Which maybe they should have then known better. Yeah. But I'm not I can't be mad at Claire de Lune. And there's plenty of blue songs. Blues all the blue songs. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And then Another thread that was throughout the whole show was the tunnel. Tunnels, yeah. And the that's tunnel a, of love, the song. Yeah, that's a new symbol. Um, you know, of course they're they're heavily leaning on the watch metaphor, uh, the clock metaphor right. from mm-hmm. the comic. You have to keep that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have this new metaphor of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. It's a tunnel of like life, tunnel of love, tunnel of of trauma, trauma, tunnel of you know time where he can't see uh-huh. for ten years. Yep. Love that. Love that tunnel of like, you go in because you have to, and you have to trust that there is an end to it. Tunnels have to end. Yeah. 
but whether there's a light at it. Yeah. Well, and I love that because Wade's the one that says mm-hmm. that. It's a tunnel, but there is a light at the end of a tunnel. That's what makes it a tunnel. Mm-hmm. So, and then the question is, can he, does he believe that himself? Can he trust that? Does he trust that? But it's a great metaphor. Yeah. It's a great one. All right. Well, Watchmen's good. Check it out. Um, get your HBO free trial or whatever. It's definitely worth watching. Yes. We put it off too long. We did. We watched, I mean, we didn't really necessarily have a great way to watch it, but mm-hmm. we, ha- we have watched it. We have, and I'm super glad that I finally Turns did. out we watch The Watchmen. Yep, we do. Us, the people, we watch The Watchmen. And now you can too. <laughs> All right. You For $14.99 a month, HBO Max. Seven day free trial. Their app is terrible. Oh, the, the phone app is lovely. On your computer, lovely. The smart television app doesn't exist. Doesn't exist for certain platforms. And the PlayStation app is buggy as hell. <laughs> buggy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, can't, so that's can't our half endorsement of the platform. Do you have any recommendations? Love, uh, love Victor. Love Victor. Love Victor. I just binged it. Yes. Um, it's good. If you like high school drama, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it or all? Just, just drop that. It's, I mean, it's good. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It's not. It's not. It's not too deep. Yeah, and it's the. It's not usually my kind of thing, but I thought it was very cute, mm-hmm. very sweet, and fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got recommendations. I just need to gather my thoughts for a moment. Okay. I need to recall what I want to recommend. I'll, I'll, I'll have a little tea break just with my little, new little new little metal metal cup thing. Travel cup. Uh, so I want to recommend the latest episode of Movies with Mikey because. We gotta regularly recommend Mikey. Go check out his support channel. Support him. Sh- support Valjoy. He deserves it. Um, yeah, he made a video about Dune. Um, sort of how the movie came to be and like where the book came from. And it's a great, very interesting episode about a very interesting property, I guess I'll call it. Because both the book and the movie. And of course, you know, there's that's a great... Way to get educated to get ready ready for the uh, Villeneuve movie that is in the Yeah, works. I should probably watch this episode so I don't have to finish the original movie. Uh, yeah, David Lynch's Dune is it's is a so hard long. film to It's just long, watch. too. Yes. Um, but fun episode of Movies with Mikey. Very highly recommended, of course, because it's Mikey. He gets into, you know, deep territory. He's like, I did not mean for the episode to go here, but here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> this is heavy. This is real. Uh, so, you know, in, in Mikey fashion, and it's fantastic. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really makes a difference. You can chat with us on Twitter at LitMeritPod for updates there as well in news news and things and tell us what you thought about the stuff the occasional meme memes are great we love it uh and thanks to jonathan colton for the use of our theme song fraud from his album artificial heart until next time remember no no guilty guilty pleasures pleasures. with gusto with gusto with gusto